Thank you, George. I'd like to just uh, take the first 15 minutes to tell you about the George I know. <laughs> Not really. Uh, I, my wife and I are thrilled to be here. Uh, I grew up in Vineland, right? And so I had a lot of Mennonite brethren friends. Actually, in Vineland, there's three Mennonite churches. There's a Mennonite brethren, there's a United Mennonite, and then there's a Mennonite Mennonite. And so you had to learn the gist of who was what so you didn't step on religious toes. But uh, uh, always enjoyed our, our uh, relationship with uh, the Mennonite Brethren Church in Vineland. At, anybody know that one? Oh, <laughs> that didn't sound good, did it? Like, <laughs> let me tell you a few things. Uh, let me very quickly tell you, we do have a book table there uh, out, out in the foyer. You can slip around. Uh, this is my uh, book on Lord Teaches to Pray. I just had a fresh order. I, I sold out again, and so... Uh, and we can give you those at $10 unless you buy uh, uh, five or more. We can give them to you at seven. Or if you're going to take them overseas, I can give them to you at five. Okay? Uh, this is Dr. Roger Helen's latest book. Dr. Roger Helen is the prayer coordinator of Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. And uh, he's a prof of a course I'm just taking um, for my doctorate because I'm bored and wealthy. Um, uh, this is a to-die-for book. I, I only brought nine of them, and I can let you have them at 20. They're 25 on Amazon. It's entitled Pursuing God's Presence. This is a great book. I want to encourage you to just stop around there. Uh, you have a handout, so uh, if you don't want to listen to me, all you need to do is just l- read this handout, and after you've got that down pat, you can go to the cafe, okay? Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll get to the handout sooner. And there's, you need a piece of paper as well. So you need, a, you need a handout and you need a little scrap of paper. And I think they're in the pews. So everybody needs a scrap of paper and uh, you, you need the handout as well. That will help you this morning. The greatest bondage is what I've entitled this message. What, what's the number one thing that's holding you back or dragging you around in your spiritual journey. Well, the number one thing that I've found is holds people back. And uh, next slide, I brought a little illustration, and I don't have time to bring George up here, although it would have been interesting to bring George up and and get him handcuffed. But uh, this actually is an authentic uh, set of handcuffs. And, And I found in my ministry that a lot of people are very handcuffed. And they got a hand, their, their hands are in handcuffs. And when your hands are in a handcuff, it's pretty hard to comb your hair, if you had any. Um, it, it's difficult to, you know, put your pants on and, and put on a sweater. And a lot of people in their spiritual journey have handcuffs on. And uh, that's what we're going to look at today. So next the scripture I want to read to you is on the slide, and we can see this. And this is in the, the New Living Translation. Uh, New Living Translation. Dear brothers and sisters, I enclose my letter with these last words: Be joyful, grow in maturity, encourage each other, live in harmony, and in peace. 
then the God of peace will be with you. There's nothing like living in peace. Hey, how you doing? Peaceful. Peaceful. Greet each other with a sacred kiss. I think that's something you guys ought to put into practice here. <laughs> you could, yeah, come to the kissing church, right? Uh, obviously, there's a historical context to that. But there was something so significant about church in that culture that they greeted one another with a holy kiss. Wow. It's hard to kiss somebody you're ticked at. <laughs> it's hard to kiss somebody that ripped you off when you sold that lawnmower. It's hard to kiss somebody when you lent them, get this, $10,000 to help them get their first house. And that was 40 years ago. It's hard to kiss that kind of person. Next, please. So, the Lord's, the Lord's been talking to me about this for a while. Let me tell you what happened um, Friday. We went to a store. I can tell you which one. And uh, we're, we're doing some renovating, and we were looking for a new sink, new set of taps. And uh, a particular store had a sale on. And so, you know, uh, my wife, she's coupon queen, and she's found this. So we, we, we go to this store, and... Um, to work at this store, two things have to be true in your life. Number one, you have to ignore customers. Uh, and, and number two, you have to know nothing about nothing. And if, if you can ignore customers and know nothing about nothing, you can work at Rona. <laughs> oh, oh, so, sorry, sorry. In St. Thomas. <laughs> oh, same here? Oh, oh. <laughs> and, uh, and eventually after I, I, I dragged the sink out that we wanted, I chose the, the faucet. I'm going to open it up to make sure it looks good, but I don't have an X-Acto knife on me. So what I decided to do, to go to the tool aisle and get an X-Acto knife. That's what I was going to do and open it up. But you know what? There was... Four employees standing around the service, well, not the service desk, a desk over there. And, uh, and so I convinced Dave to come and help us. And I'm thinking Dave needs to either go to the ICU or retire, one of the two. So he gets there, and I said, I need this box open. And so he opened it, and anyways, long story short, the only thing the sink had going for it is this. It was on sale. So we ended up buying it, thanks to Dave. <laughs> and the tap. And, uh, 
I carried it out myself. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> and the Lord's been really, really speaking to me about something, about Dave and Rona. And then to make matters worse, we, we went to Toronto on, on uh, Friday to hear Brooklyn Tabernacle, so we went there to hear them. And um, everybody on the 401 is sinning against me. Seriously. They're all sinning against me. Okay, so here's, here's what the Lord has been bothering me about, and I'm hoping he's going to bother you about it. Uh, um, because why should I be bothered just by myself? <laughs> right? Um, I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to think about every situation you've experienced in the last, let's just pick 36 hours. And I want you to think about every situation you've gone through. I want, to think, I want you to think about your parents. I want you to think about your siblings, your, your spouses, your school teachers, your children, your boss, your company, the, the person you sold something to on Swap and Shop, uh, the person who cut you off on the 401, the person who cut line at the grocery store, the person three pews back whom you haven't spoken to since the pandemic because they're the conspiracy person and they're crazy. <laughs> um, I want you to think about your old church. I want you to think about your old pastor. I want you to think about God. I want you to think about yourself. I want you to think about the guy who cut in front of you and took your parking spot you've been waiting for for 10 minutes because there was no place to park. And right now, all kinds of images should be filling in your head. You're thinking, ooh, this is uncomfortable. He was funny, now he's uncomfortable. Wow. Think of being hurt. Think of being offended. Think of being bullied. Think of being, put, think of being picked on. Okay, you can open your eyes. In, next slide. Um, In my journey, I need to keep my heart open and pure with no baggage. No baggage. So I will practice forgiveness daily so that I might walk in freedom. In my journey... I need to keep my heart open and pure with no baggage so that I will practice forgiveness daily so that I can walk in freedom. That's good? Uh, Let's do the Anglican thing. Let's read this in unison. So if you're like Pentecostals, you can't do it, but just fake it. Okay? So here we go. Together. In my journey... You're way better than Pentecostals. <laughs> well done. Next. Next slide, please. Unforgiveness. I want to tell you that unforgiveness, it will always lead to bitterness. It will always lead to bitterness. And bitterness will always lead to discouragement. And discouragement will lead to a lack of trust and ultimately despair. Unforgiveness is a, it's a worm deep inside of you. Jump, to the, jump two slides for me. The greatest bondage. Thank you. Matthew 18. 
So if you want to follow this with me, and I'm reading it out of the New Living Translation, Matthew 18, 21 to 23. It's a parable of the unforgiving debtor. So Peter came and said, Lord, how often should I forgive Rona? How often should I forgive that jerk that just cut four people off, cut me off, and cut over there? Like, how often do I need to do this? I tell you what, Jesus, let's do this. Let's pick the number seven. Seven is a good number. No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 77 times. Honey, get the calculator out. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with the servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors uh, uh, was brought in who owned him a million dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, kids, and everything uh, to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please, please be patient with me and I'll pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity. He he released him and he forgave the debt. But when the man left the king, he went to his fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded an instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged him for a little bit more time, be patient with me. I I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested, put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they they were upset. They went to the king and told him everything that happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you are an evil servant. I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. This is what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. I personally want to share with you, I would not have said that. I would have said, you know, I'll make your life miserable. Like, I wouldn't have said that, but I'm just quoting Jesus, so don't blame me. Wow. Isn't that uncomfortable? Wow. Like, maybe he meant, maybe he meant that, you know, you just don't have to kiss them or something. Like, like I don't know. Wow. That hurt. Next slide, please. <laughs> Thomas Keating. Oh, back one or head one? Where'd Thomas go? Thank you. People who have injured us have done us a great favor because they are providing us with the opportunity of passing on the mercy we have received. This is tough, but I'm going to do it. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus, for Dave at Rona. Wow. People who have injured us, they've done us a great favor. They're giving us an opportunity 
of passing on the mercy we have received. Next, please. Desmond Tutu. I don't have time to tell you all about him. I'm quoting him. I must forgive so that the desire for revenge does not corrode my being. I can only be human in relationships. Our greatest good is communal harmony. Revenge and anger subvert this. None of us is self-sufficient. God made us for interdependence. A person is a person through other persons. That's, or this is when God rubs his hands together in satisfaction and says, yay, man. (laughs) Next. Unforgiveness is the poison we drink. Hoping the guy who ripped us off is going to die. Next. Forgive others not because they deserve forgiveness, but you deserve peace. Next, please. Well, in my journey, I need to keep my heart pure and open. I don't want to cart baggage around. And the only way to stop Peter from doing that, I do this in my journal. I wrote names in my journal, and never mind what they said. (laughs) I got a line that says forgive, and there's a colon there, and I wrote some names in there today because somebody ticked me off yesterday. I don't want baggage. Okay, it's, it's picture time. This is the Matthew chapter 15 passage. So if you can do two things at once, hold your, get your picture ready and get your phone ready. It's Matthew 18, 15 to, 20, 15 to 18. Here's the process, okay? If another brother sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the person listens and confesses it, well, you've won that person back. Verse 16, Matthew 18. But if you're unsuccessful, then take one or two other persons with you, go back again, so that everything everything may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. Verse 17, if a person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Uh, Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt corrupt tax collector. I tell you the truth, whatever you uh, forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. So here's the picture. Um, Susie is sinned against Bob. Remember those two names because you'll forget them. Okay. What was it? Susie and Bob. Uh, Susie has sinned against Bob. Ripped him off, you know, you know whatever. Next slide. And I, I, I'm going to move this quickly. And you've got pictures of this. So what happens when Susie has sinned against Bob is Bob then is carting around an offense. So if you've been sinned against, you are carting around an offense. I'm never, I'm never going to that Rona store ever again. And I can promise you, Dave has not thought of Peter since. I promise you that. 
So when somebody sins against you, you have a backpack on your back and you take that offense and you put it in the backpack. The pastor that said so-and-so, George who said so-and-so, Bob who owes me 25 bucks and never paid me back, Uh, Sam who did this, Shirley who did this, whatever, and you take that sin against you, it becomes an offense, and you put it in your backpack, and you start carting yourself around. The number one thing I've dealt with in my ministry, in my office, is people who are carting around a rock of offense that has been done to them. That's the number one thing I've dealt with in my office in 44, 46, 40, 47 years. I started ministering when I was two. No, that's not true. (laughs) The number one thing I'm dealing with is unforgiveness, you know. Uh, I'm having my house painted right right now, and uh, this guy is a believer, like, and he used to go to church, and um, so I said, how come you don't go to church? Well, I don't like the church. I said, I don't like Canada either. I don't like the prime minister. I don't leave and say, well, I'm going to go to South Africa. (laughs) Like, who cares if you don't like the church? What does that have to do with anything? Right? And here he is, 25 years later, 25 years later, he's carting his backpack around. Oh, I don't like the church. The church offended me. Wow. Hope you're having a great life. 25 years. Next slide. Now, what was the girl's name? Fran? Sue, okay. (laughs) Sue's got a problem. Let's talk about Sue just in case there's some Sues here. Um, Sue is carting around this sin. So Sue's not off the hook. Sue's got to deal with this. So, so... I'm very quick to do this. I was at a conference, I don't know, two months ago, and I was sitting down with, a, with a, a lady that used to be on staff with me, and I spoke with her about five minutes, and later, after I'd been in my room for a while, the Holy Spirit says, you need to learn to shut up better, Peter. I always tell people this. I've never gone to bed at night, and the Holy Spirit said, well, you should have talked more. Oh, you too? <laughs> but I've often gone to bed, and the Holy Spirit says to me, like, like you don't get from la bouche? Like. And so I went to her the very next day, and I said to her, listen, um, uh, I said too much, to get, too much yesterday, and I should have shut up. Now, as luck would have it, she says, I haven't got a clue what you're talking about, but I know you listen to the Holy Spirit, so good for you. You're forgiven. Go your way and sin no more. Right? Um, But some of us here need to fix this. Some of us need to go pay the debt that we owe somebody for the last 14 years. Come on. Some of us need to fix that. Next slide. Now, what do you do when you're carting the offense around? And I'm watching my time because I'm I'm paying attention to that. I I am. Not really good, but I am paying attention. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> for God, I, I'll insert the pronouns or the names for you. For God made Jesus, 
who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. So this is something most people don't get. Righteousness is not a prize. Righteousness is a gift. So when, when I get to heaven, St. Peter says, you know, why should I let you in? You know, that kind of nonsense, which is not true, but it's, it's, it's okay for preaching, like a lot of nonsense. Let's go, sorry. <laughs> when Peter looks at me and says, well, why should I let you in? I should say, because of what he has done for me. He is my righteousness. I have a gift of righteousness. Righteousness is not what you've pulled off in life. Right? So if I say, well, how righteous are you? Your answer should be, well, I'm as righteous as Jesus. I happen to be a dirtbag and an idiot, but besides that, <laughs> I'm as righteous as Jesus because Jesus made me righteous because righteousness is a gift. It's not the, it's not the result of working. Now, there's works of righteousness, but salvation righteousness is a gift that's given to you, given to me, okay? So you need to keep that nugget in your mind, okay? Next picture. So, if you've got a rock of offense in your back pocket, there's a lot of stuff to fall on up here. Um, <laughs> You need to assume the position, of, the, the position of God. So let me describe what I mean by that. When God looks at Peter, God, what does God see when God looks at Peter? All you worship people. He sees righteousness. Why? Because of the gift of Jesus. So when the Father looks at me, he always sees Jesus. He never sees my mistakes. Like, he doesn't look at me and say, well, you've been a jerk today, so, like, guess what? You missed it. You know, I'm calling you, I'm calling you home, but ain't home for you because you screwed up. You're gone. When Father looks at me, he always sees Jesus. Always. Either that or I'm not saved. So he sees Jesus. So what does God do with my offenses? What does God do with my offenses? He forgives me. Why does he forgive me? Somebody stands me back here. I'll pay attention to them. What? Why, is, why is God forgiving me? Because of the shed blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Right? So somebody is paying the price for my offense. Who's paying the price for my offense? Jesus going to hurt. Are you ready? When you are carrying a fence because George didn't pay me back the 40 bucks I lent him 15 and a half years ago after Christmas dinner, <laughs> if I'm going to fix that offense, who has to pay the price for it? Save George 40 bucks. And I pay the price by releasing the gift of forgiveness. Oh, oh. 
If you forgive those who sinned against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive you. There's only one way to get that rock out of your backpack. It's to release the gift of forgiveness to David Rona. Because if I don't, I just end up with a whole bunch of rocks in my backpack. And I'm wearing myself out, carrying them around. Next slide. In my journey, I need to keep my heart open and pure with no baggage, so I'm going to practice forgiveness. Next slide. Okay, this is what you're going to do now. Get your other piece of paper, your little piece of paper. Everybody get your little piece of paper, your little scrap piece of paper. And you can do business with Jesus. Come do some nice Holy Ghost music for me. Okay? <laughs> okay, get your piece of paper out. And Oh, you can't see that, can you? Oh, well, kind of. What we got here is the center. The number one person you need to forgive in your life is your spouse. Because you live, your sp- you live with your spouse so much, they're offending you. And if you don't believe that, you're not married. I mean, how could you possibly with somebody 24-7 and not get offended somewhere along the line? Unless you're angelic, and if you are, good for you. <laughs> okay? So I got spouse in the middle, then family, neighbors, small group, employer, and you work yourself out. So this is what you need to do. I'm, I'm going to give you about four minutes to do this. What I need you to do is I need you to write on that piece of paper. You're going to do something with the paper. You don't have to show anybody. We're not taking pictures, all right? But I I need you to write down on that piece of paper people that you need to forgive, people who've who've offended you, a pastor, a store clerk, your spouse, your kid, your neighbor, God. How many are ticked off at God once in a while? Well, four of us are. The rest are liars. Well, you didn't know you could be ticked off at God. Maybe, maybe that was it. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to shut up. This music's going to play, and you're going to write for four minutes, and you're going to put down on that piece of paper, Lord, who are you telling me to forgive?
brothers and sisters, in the name of Jesus, this represents the offenses that you're carrying around. This key is the gift of forgiveness that you're about to release right now. You're about to take that key and insert it in the, in the lock, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to pop open in the name of Jesus. You're going to take that key, which is the gift of forgiveness. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I forgive Dave at Rona. Hallelujah. When I do that, I'm putting my, my key right in that slot, and I'm, I'm releasing that offense that has been dragging me down. So I want you to hold your paper in your hand, and I want you to say in your own spirit, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just release forgiveness to Tom, Dick, Harry, Fran, Betty, Sue, whomever, in the name of Jesus. I give them the gift of forgiveness just like the gift of forgiveness you've given me. You've forgiven me through the precious blood of Jesus. So right now, I release that gift of forgiveness to that person in the name of Jesus. And Father, right now, as people are doing that, I break the power of offense in people's hearts, especially those who have been offended with church, especially those offended with pastors, offended with uh, elders, offended with church leadership. I break that offense in the name of Jesus Christ right now. All offense is broken in the name of Jesus right now, in the name of Jesus.